All right, check it out for the very last time. been a really cool journey through the book of Joshua. Uh, it's been crazy. I've always heard people talk about Joshua and what's going on in his life, but to walk through the text has been tremendously uh, encouraging, inspiring, challenging, and I don't know if you've done it with us, but if you have, I'd love to hear feedback on, on just what God has done. And maybe it's nothing. Maybe you're like, man, that was a long time in a book, but it was, it was hugely beneficial for uh, a few of us, and I hope it was a blessing to you. Uh, today, we're, we're going to finish the last two chapters talking about the idea of legacy. Uh, last week, we talked about how um, as God's people enter this promised land, it's about being generous. But here today, and I love that you guys are hanging out up here today because today we're talking about what we leave for future generations. That's what the, the book culminates, right? This, you remember, I want you to think with me, if you will, back, remember way back in January 13th? This year, I mean, it's only been what six months. It's not that, but it seems like it's been a while. But way back then, Joshua was this young leader who was being told by Moses and then told by God, "Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified, because I'm going with you." And then we've walked through Joshua's life as God has continually been with him, not perf- not perfectly. I don't clarify. God was perfectly with him, but Joshua wasn't always perfectly aligned with God's will. And so Joshua had to learn, and the people of Israel made mistakes. They screwed up. They turned back. They went and did it again. But through all the, all the mess, and man, this is good news, God was with them. He never left them. He kept his promises. And that's what today is about, is about this legacy and what we're, we're leaving um, for others. So I thought I'd bring something. Last, last Sunday in the series, you know, by the way, 7, 7, 13, that's kind of a cool date. And I wanted to share something that I thought was kind of cool. This is weird, so you might go, really? But I, this is something that's really important to me, okay? How many of you guys have ever gotten something as an heirloom? Anybody? Like your dad, your grandma, your mom, right? Um, by the way, any, how many of you are children of parents? Anybody? Children of parents? Oh, good. Some of you are paying attention today. Um, good. I'm glad to know you were born. That's helpful. Don't go through your parents' house and write your name on the bottom of stuff you want. They get a little weirded out by that. No. But I had the most wild experience because, you know, I've talked about my, my family a bit, but my dad, you know, I, I saw him, and he had this really, he had a near-death experience, Okay. Truth. I mean, he just had this episode where he thought he was he was a goner, and the the thing I'm going to show you, show you today is something that he he said. You got to get over here to my house because I want you to have this right now. And it's really interesting, and uh, I just wanted to share it with you. It's kind of big, um, and it really is. I'm not making. I mean, it's, this is a really big deal, uh, and I wanted to share it with you. And this is what he drug out. Now, okay. I said, don't go to your parents' house and put stuff, name on the bottom of stuff if you want. But when he came out of the house with this, my wife's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> okay, are you, who, who's a guy? If you're a guy, raise your hand if you're a guy. Do you get why this is cool? <laughs> Thank you. If you're a girl, do you understand why? You, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's dusty, it's old. Are you serious? Who would want that in their house? It doesn't even, it's got stuff missing. Um, 
this is wild because my dad couldn't wait to get this in my hands. Of all the stuff he has in his life, he's like, you got to get this out of here because if something happens to me, I want you to have it. It's precious. It's important. How many of you know a bit about this particular piece right here? Anybody? I mean, a few of you, yeah, a few of you guys, I've talked to you about it before. This is really wild because this is actually something not about my dad, only about my grandparents. And then you'll know um, these arrowheads, my, we didn't make them, right? My grandfather was a cotton farmer, watermelon farmer in Missouri. And when they would plow up the fields in the spring, the little kids who, who couldn't necessarily help wherever, they would go out and they would look in the plowed ground for arrowheads that were left behind, Right? Ancient people left these arrowheads in the fields. It was a, something to do. They, would, they kept all these arrowheads and they threw them in a, a, a box or a jar, you know, whatever. Grandpa had a bunch of them in a drawer. And my dad was in school. I'm going to tell this story the best I understand it, but don't, you know, if I, 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 true to the best of my knowledge, right? But when he was in the kindergarten, first grade, maybe third grade, I don't know, he had a show and tell day. And he went to his dad, my grandpa, and he said, I, I want to bring these and show them, but I can't show them in a box. And so my grandpa and my dad sat down, and they made this. Now, not this, mind you. This pretty stuff wasn't on there. It was just a piece of plywood out of the barn. They drilled holes in it. They used baling wire, and they hooked, and they made this display. You'll notice there are some pieces that are missing. You see, if you look at it closely, there's a lot of pieces missing. But really interestingly, what they did is they took a wood burner, and down here in the corner, it says Billy H. Dempsey. And he took it to school. And he showed all of his friends. Now, I didn't know that story about this piece. But I knew that when I went down to grandma and, uh, Grandpa's house, and the, uh, Granny and Papa is what I call them growing up, I went down to the farm, and it was always on the wall. It wasn't in a case. It was just hung there. Every once in a while, an arrowhead would like plunk, you know, just fall off on the, they'd throw it in a drawer, the junk drawer. Just an old, beat up school project, right? The wild thing about this is um, I didn't know my parents, or my grandparents, my great-grandparents had signed a 100-year lease on the land. Think about that. My great-grandfather signed a 100-year lease how many of you have lived to 100? Good. We're all still paying attention. How many of you think you might? Yeah, good for you. That might be the statistical average. When he signed that lease, we're thinking, what were you, what were you thinking? You were signing a, 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 my grandpa was born on that farm, but he didn't die on that farm. He retired at the end of the 100-year lease. Guess what happened at the end of the 100-year lease? The house that they lived in, for 100 years, got knocked down. The, the, the fields were sold, released to other farmers. If you drive down where my grandfather spent his whole life, there's nothing left but a field. But I get this. Part of my story. That's wild. Today, as Joshua wraps up, he says interesting things about legacy, but about, I love this, rocks and trees. Rocks and trees, the things we leave behind. I'm going to ask you to pray with me as we enter God's word, that he would reveal truth to us today.
Father God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to come and to expound on your word, to understand what it says, Father. We don't want to add anything to it that's not there. We want to hear you speak to us today. And we thank you so much for the truth that your Holy Spirit is with us, that, that the promise that Jesus made that if we would ask for wisdom, you will surely give it. Father God, we ask for that wisdom today. Help us to know you more fully. Help us to understand what we're leaving behind. And I, I pray, Father, that in everything, our legacy is holy and just and honorable and glorifying to you. We give you this time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Joshua, chapter 23. Chapter 23. And I'm going to jump right in. Here's what the word says. After a long time had passed... Right, So after all the stuff we've read, a long time has passed, and Yahweh had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, listen to the word, by then old and well advanced in years, summoned all Israel, all the people, their elders, their leaders, their judges and officials, right? This great tribe was gathered together and said, I am old and well advanced in years. Now listen to what he says in verse 3. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I've allotted an inheritance for you and all the tribes of the lands and nations that remain, the nations that I conquered between the Jordan and the Great Sea on the west. The Lord your God himself will drive them out of your way. He will push them out before you, and you will take possession of their land as the Lord, your God, has promised you. I'm going to read one more verse. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. A few more. Do not associate with those nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of other gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. It goes on. You can read through more of that. But what, he, what Joshua keeps saying at the end is this. Don't forget that God has done all this for you. God has done all this for you. And as Joshua begins to wrap up this legacy that he's leaving behind to Israel, he is old and well advanced in years. What he wants people to, forget, to never forget is that God has done it, that God has done it. And that's this first principle that I wanted to talk to you about today. The truth is that God's work is our only legacy. I mean, truly, it's our only legacy the only thing that will stand the test of time for all of our work, for all of our effort, for all of our hopes and dreams and the things we try to accomplish, the things that God does are the only things that will stand. I want to, the word says that God did all this for you. And then look what he says. And he will go ahead of you driving out nations. He will continue to work for you. See, a lot of times in, in church uh, life, I, I think that we believe, okay, maybe not like this, but I believe it's about what I can do for God, right? I mean, isn't God lucky to have me on his side? 
Isn't he lucky to have me serving him? Isn't he, isn't he fortunate that, that I'm going to proclaim him to the nations? But that's not the biblical story of God's work. The biblical story of God's work is that he continually redeems a people who have no hope without him. And the only thing that stands in the end will not be the things that we did for God, but the things that God did in and through us. Does that make sense? It's a, it's, it's a fine line there, but when we're, we think it's about us serving God, but it's about God transforming us, and through that process of us being challenged and changed and transformed, we go into the world, and he works through us, but it's never our work. Did the nations get driven out? Yeah. If you read in this, actually what the word says is that he sent hornets and wasps and bees ahead of these so that they didn't have to raise a sword to kill some of their enemies. God was that far ahead. He's always ahead of us, always before us, always in us and through us, and compelling us, driving us, encouraging us to move forward. You can read through the rest of 23 if you want. It talks about there's danger in turning away from God. There's danger if you're not seeking his will for your life. I was talking to somebody this morning before service, and one of the lies that we believe as a culture is that my life is mine, and I get to do what I want with it. That's what our culture is built on in this country, right? But the truth is that my life is God's, and I can either do what he wants me to do with it, or I can do what I want to do with it. But fundamentally, it's his. We all belong to him one way or the other. This is really wild, though, because if you begin to walk this out and you go, okay, so the only legacy I have is the stuff that God does in and through me, well, then, man, what do I have to do? Like, how can I go back to work tomorrow? How can I be effective for, for Christ? What, you know, how can I respond? How can I allow God to use me? Listen, the, the beautiful thing about the truth that the only legacy that stands over time, this is, is what God does in and through us, is that he will use you right where you are. And he will use you right as you are. One of the greatest tragedies, and I'm guilty of this too, is to say, man, if I would only get my life together, God could finally use me for good. If, 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 you know, as if he doesn't know our hearts, he doesn't know our sin, doesn't know our brokenness, doesn't know our pain. The truth is that he's not waiting for us to be good enough. He's waiting for us to allow him in, into all the stuff, to work in and through us in this world for his glory, not ours, for his purposes, not ours. So the great thing, and I hope, man, if you've never, if you've never thought about this before, maybe you go, maybe it's not about when I retire, I'll be able to do these things for God. Whenever I, I, I finally you know, get married and settle down, I can do these things for God. Whenever I get out of high school, I can do these things for God. Or whenever I get that job, I can do these things for God. Or when I, that you'll start to say, you know what, God? I, I'm not married yet, or, or I'm not retired yet, or I'm not out of high school yet, but how would you like to use me today? How, how, what would you have me to see today because God is interested in us just as we are right where we are and he will use us I, 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 
I, I hope you're doing that. The awesome thing is, too, that it transforms our daily experience. Because every day isn't about can we muster the courage to get our swords out and go fight again, but it's like walking onto the battlefield with God and saying, what are we going to do? What are you going to do? Where are you going to take me today? I said this earlier, but this is true. In the end, only God's work in and through us will stand. That's all that will remain in this world is the things that God does. So my question for you is this. What would you love or hate to leave behind? Right? I think those are two separate questions, but what would you, right now in your life, I want you to think with me. There's something you would just love to leave it behind, right? You'd love to just, woo, be gone, you know what I mean? Down the road, rearview mirror, you know, disappearing in the horizon. I'm out of here, baby. What would you love to leave behind? And then ask this. So why does God have you there? Is there anything in God having you in that situation right now that you would love to be out of that God is saying, I want you to learn, I want you to love, I want you to know, I want you to believe that I can use you right here? Because he could get us out of it. The other question is, what, do you, what would you hate to leave behind? What is that thing that you would say, and this is a day, Lord, anything but this. I'll give you everything, but not this. That's a hard question. What is it that we're not willing to let go of? That we say we have to have it because it's the most important. Joshua understood this about things of God, that all... The only things that are left in the end are what he does. And he challenged the people of Israel, be faithful to God. He is always able. Read verse 14 with me, 23, 14. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. That means, that's a nice way of saying I'm about to die. I'm going to die. And you know with all of your heart and soul that not one of the good promises of the Lord your God has failed. Not one, but every one has been fulfilled, every promise. None have failed, right? We know this. We know this. The question is, what are we gonna, how are we going to respond to that truth in our life? Read on with me if you would in verse 20, chapter 24, verse 1. So then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem, he summoned the elders, the leaders, the judges, and the officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, listen to the story, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the river and worshiped other gods. You remember that story of, of um, Terah? But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river and I led him through Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his sons went to Egypt. I sent Moses and Aaron and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there. Listen, 
and I brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery. When I brought your fathers out of Egypt, you came to the sea and the Egyptians pursued you with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them up. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Steve talked about that, these teenagers. Then you lived in the desert for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them before you, and you took possession of the land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you, but I would not listen to Balaam, so he blessed you over and over, and I delivered you out of his hand. Even those who wanted to curse you had to bless you, he said. Then you crossed the Jordan, and you came to Jericho, and the citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Gerashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, but I gave them all into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, and the two Amorite kings. You did not go do it with your own sword and bow, so I gave you a land on which you did not toil. And I gave you cities that you did not build, and you live in them, and you eat from the vineyards and the olive groves that you did not plant. Verse 14. Now hear the Lord and serve him with, oh, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away gods your forefathers worship beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord, that's Yahweh, the creator. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether you will serve the gods of your, foref- your forefathers served beyond the river or gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua goes through this list. I mean, you think reading the story of Joshua is huge. He went from the very beginning of Terah and this broken story all the way through to God's deliverance over and over and over again. He says, he has always been faithful to you. He's always delivered you. He's never failed in a promise. But now today, it might seem undesirable that you should follow God. I love it, what he says. So choose. Choose. Make a decision And that's kind of the second principle that I wanted to talk to you about, is that we have a choice to make in our life. I mean, no matter where you're from, no matter what your story is, you have a decision to make. And it's totally up to you. It's totally up to you. Can you imagine... After all the things that the Israelites had seen God do, all the glory he's revealed, all the ways that he's preserved them and delivered them and blessed them and kept them safe and drawn them near and forgiven them and been graceful to them, can you imagine the audacity of someone who would stand there and say, that's great, but I don't want to serve you. I do not choose you. I'm going to go back to these other gods. That seems implausible. As we read the story of Joshua, it seems crazy that they would do it. And yet it's a real possibility. And I think you and I know that many of us do it today. Yeah, 
It's God stuff. It's helping, but you know, there's that thing I used to do that can get me through a tough time. This Jesus stuff is interesting, and, 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 and I've seen my life change a little bit, but there's these other people that believe this other thing, and it might work too. I might try that out. God, don't be mad. I'm going to hedge my bets a little bit. Maybe one of many. Are you okay with one of many, God? <laughs> the kicker is, you go, why, why allow us a choice? Oh, God, why give us the choice? I don't know. But he does. I delivered you over and over again. I want to challenge you this morning. I want you to think about the most horrific thing you've been through in your life. I don't know what it is for you. I've got stuff. I want you to think about it. And, and I want you to ask this. Was God not there? You know, my knee jerk on that stuff is, man, God wasn't there. God wasn't any part of that stuff. I remember it was bad. But when I sit quietly with God and I weep or I lament and I scream and I go, why? I realize that he says back to me, I was right there. I hated it too. It was never my plan for you. But I never left you I never abandoned you and you go really and he's like yeah because look where you are now right here with me that's powerful stuff many don't have the courage for that kind of a journey but the truth is that we have a choice to make no matter how much blessing we've had in our life we can still choose to follow God or not and no matter how much tragedy and hurt and pain we've had, we can still choose to follow God or not. And that's the truth. Joshua asked the question, it might seem undesirable to you, so choose today. Choose today who you'll serve. God will not decide for you. So the question is that. Have you decided to follow Jesus? I don't mean that in that like camp kind of way. No offense to camp. I mean, have you decided that come thick or thin, come good stuff or bad stuff, come the highest perfect day in your life, everything is glorious to the lowest, nastiest, ugliest garbage you've been through in your life. Have you decided that no matter what, I'm going to fix my eyes on Christ and I'm going to follow him all of my days? That choice is ours. That choice is ours. I was reminded this week that Christ allowed himself to be abused, to be mocked, to be spit on, to be cursed, and all the while, I want you to put on that mask for a minute. Imagine someone who, who is being looked down on, being made fun of. You can see it. The whole world is against you. There's not a friend. But when Christ looked back at us through that, that reality of suffering and pain, his only hope was that you and I could find love. 
that we could see beyond that gory cross to a glory that's coming. That he let himself be despised and rejected. That you and I can be accepted and loved by the only person who matters. And that's God himself. The truth is that we all have to make that choice. We all have to decide. Who are we going to believe and who are we going to follow? Joshua ends in 15 by saying this, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. 16, read with me. The people then answered him, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. You see, there immediately, like I said, I, we can't imagine not serving God. It was the Lord, our God himself, who brought us out and our fathers out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our very eyes. He protected us on our entire journey, listen to him, and uh, among the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We, too, also will serve the Lord because he is our God. They made a decision. Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after everything that he has done being good to you. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. I love this verse. Joshua says, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have indeed chosen to serve the Lord. And they said, yeah, we are witnesses. Joshua goes on to give some advice there, but I want to stop for one moment talking about legacy today. And the truth is that we're all witnesses. We're all witnesses in a few minutes after he gives us advice, he, well, let me just read it real quick. I'm going to skip a few verses here. On that day, verse 25, Joshua made a covenant for the people, and there at Shechem he drew up them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God, and he took a large stone, and he set it up there under the oak near the holy place of Yahweh. And he said, see, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us, and it will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. The truth is, we're all witnesses to those decisions, right? I mean, first of all, we're witnesses one to another. Do you realize what they said to Joshua? Joshua said, are you going to believe it or not? And they said, yeah, we're going to believe it. And he said, not so fast. Be careful. This is serious. God isn't joking. And they're like, yes, we're in. We're all in. He says, then you are witnesses against yourselves. One of our great fantasies, I think, in our culture is to believe that, uh, and I've said this before, but that we're going we're gonna to backpedal before the holy God of the universe. We're going to find a legal clause, you know. We're going to find a way around righteousness. But that's not counted for in the Bible. The truth is there'll be so many witnesses to the truth of how we chose to live, how we chose to believe, that 
everything will testify to the truth, including ourselves. Me. Me. And on that day, when, whenever we go, we're talking about the reality of we want to hear one voice above all the rest. As you know, you're going to fail as the rocks cry out, as your peers look and go, you're not so perfect, you're not so great, you're not doing it right. And as yourself and your mind, you go, oh, I've not gotten it. You want to hear one voice above all else? And that's Jesus saying, I know you. You are mine. I am yours. That's what we're seeking in Christ. Everything bears witness to the things we say, the things we do. This is why sin in dark places doesn't stay in dark places. It comes right out into the light. It spills out. Eventually it gets out. Everything is known by the holy God of the universe. And our, our hope, our hope is to seek God's solution we are witnesses to ourselves. We're witnesses to one another in our lives. But all of creation witnesses. I want you to see what he said to these folks who seek to follow God. Verse 23. So now then, throw out the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said, we will serve God and obey him. There's four things mentioned there, right? Throw out false gods. And that, I don't know if, you, but that for me is like a daily thing, man, to realize there's things I serve that aren't God himself and I gotta get rid of those things in my life. Throw them out, right? And then the second thing he, he challenged us with is to yield our hearts to God. And, and I wanna encourage you today and I know some of you have been hurt I want you just to hold your heart out and say, God, do what you want with it. Believe enough to believe that he knows and let him work. Let him into the broken places. Let him into the dark stuff. Let him into the real life, you. Trust him with your heart. Yield your heart to the Lord. That's what he says. And then seek to serve him and obey him. You know, one of the problems we have in our culture with the Bible is it doesn't agree with us, right? We want, like, Bible light. I do, too, you know. We want to, like, take our most difficult parts and kind of cut that part out and just leave the stuff that works for us. That's not what the Word says. It says, yield your hearts to God, serve Him, and be obedient to what He's commanded, believing Him, believing what He said. You may not like it, but the truth, the truth is that in the end, it's what's going to matter. It's what's going to matter, not whether you liked it or not, whether you believed it and obeyed it. So my question for you is this. I think I have two. No, I didn't put it in. Listen to this. I asked this question. I, I said, what will your story be? Or... In the end, how will your life be remembered by others? People say that at my funeral. What do people say about me? 
What do I want them to say about me? What will your legacy be? More important. More important than what other people think of you. What will you think of yourself when you look back on your life? What will your witness be? More important than that, what will God see when he looks back? What will God see? I told you um, this is really important to me. I don't fully understand it, actually. God's still working it out, what it means. Um, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the brokenness, the legacy. Um, I don't know. But I wanted to bring one other thing that I realize I'm doing the same thing with my kids and my family. I love it because I carried it in this morning, and John said, you used that before, haven't you? This might look like any other piece of, I don't know what, pottery barn or something. This isn't. This is an old scrap of wood that um, my boys had written on the side. Clubhouse, Dempsey Clubhouse, Fun Clubhouse. All neighbor kids welcome or whatever. And then they had a fight. Some of you guys remember the story. And I looked out my window and they had aimed this at their friends. This was my dad's school project when he was in kindergarten or first grade. And this was my college Exodus project about what my journey looks like. And my hope in Christ is that for me and my house, we go from this to that. That's my prayer. I don't know what your story is going to be. I'm not smart enough to know, and God isn't very interested in telling me. But he'll tell you. What will your legacy be? Please pray with me if you would. Father, today I am filled with awe of who you are. And I'm amazed at the way you continue to redeem our lives. I pray for all of my friends here who maybe like me have so much stuff in their life they don't understand yet. Whatever it is, good, bad, ugly, and we're afraid to trust you with it. I pray that you would compel us in the courage of your Holy Spirit to give it to you. That we could truly surrender, truly open our hearts, truly lean your way that you might save us, that you might heal us and redeem us. I thank you today so much for the faithful witness of those who gave their lives to you, for those who wrote it down and your Holy Spirit to compel the story to be told over and over again that we would never forget. We would never forget that you alone are faithful. And Father, for those of us who are right on the edge and we go, maybe Jesus, maybe the cross, Maybe the Holy Spirit has something better for me. I pray that we would go all in, that we would trust you completely, and we would give ourselves over to you. I want what you want for my life, and nothing more or nothing less. I pray that prayer with my friends in Christ. Amen.